Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 110 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-host joining me this week, Rob. Hi. Oh, God, that was horrifying. Uh, and Josh. <laughs> Why, hello there, neighbors. That was equally terrifying. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez, guys, come on. Keep it fun and light, man. It's September 1st. It's time for us to start getting ready for Halloween, man. Oh, man. It's not even October, man. Like, give it at least a month. Um, As usual, we will be covering the latest books from DC this week, and we hope you enjoy it. Make sure to stick around until the end of our episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. If you'd like to support us further, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for either a one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord as well as other exclusive content available on the network. But with that out of the way, let's get into some news. Guys, what's new this week? What are you reading? What's uh, what's new in comics? I, I just came across uh, a bit of sad news. Oh. Uh, post on CBR two hours ago, uh, it was announced there will not be a DC fandom this year. Oh, we were just talking about that. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, Josh oh, and I off the air. Shoot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which... So that's the future. Of that's in flux now, I guess. Yeah, which I, I rather I rather slyly mentioned is it's sad because it was kind of it was fun to have that digital event, but I know a part of it is because they're they're doing more in person stuff now that conventions are up and running and. Uh, usually their kind of big stuff is around New York Comic Con, which um, me being the fortunate son of a bitch that I am actually get to go <laughs> since New York is uh, is not too far from where I am. So they, a part of me is like, ah, uh, fandom, sad to see it go, but also like, uh, at least I get to see the live panel. So um, I know that makes me I know that makes me sound like a dick, but um, it's 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 kind of hard not to at least be a little excited about that. NYCC is a little bit too far for me to roll. <laughs> oh, I wish you, I so wish you guys could come. We would have such a great oh. time. I, I oh, you better to, believe man. it, man. It would, oh, it, man. it would be, it would be awesome. I'd be yeah. able to go Robin to push me around everywhere. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, as far as news goes, I've, I've just got a couple pieces. I mentioned something to you guys off air. We were talking about Liam Sharp reinventing his artistic style. And I just shared a link in Discord about how Alex Ross has done the exact same thing for his new Fantastic Four graphic novel. You can oh, I didn't know you read that. Definitely pick up uh, the it, uh, Neil Adams, Jack Kirby vibes going on. But holy shit, man, it just it looks so good. It it looks so good. Um, yeah. It's uh it's coming out in five days, but uh, I fully well, fully it's uh, fantastic. I, well, I mean, for most yeah. of us, Brandon. Yeah. No, no, it it is like it is. I mean, you can pick it up in stores. I don't think they have the digital copy, but um, most. Oh, no shit. I think yeah, most stores have already put it on sale. Um, so I was I was what? able to read my copy yesterday and it was as as gorgeous as i expected um it it also was like it's it's one of those moments where sometimes you take someone for granted you're kind of like yeah alex ross he's great whatever 
Um, but every every once in a while, you kind of have to remind yourselves that these people are like the fucking best. Um, and this was definitely <laughs> that. Because um, you just look at it and you're like, Jesus. Like, this is this is why the guy is a legend and, and hell of a writer too. Right. Yeah. And I would have I would have looked at this, and, and and like I'm looking at the picture that was on 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 the article that I read. I did not know that it was out yet. I know where I'm going tomorrow. Um, but uh, the, this picture here, if you would have shown me and said, "Hey, what do you think about this new Fantastic Four arc?" I would have been like, "Art," and I would have been like, "Like, wow, dude, that is." amazing look at those faces look at the cracks in the thing and if you would have said to me who do you think did that i i'd have no answer i mean maybe mitch grads maybe i i i never in a million years would have guessed that this is painter alex ross and it's just it blows well, the figures. You the figures are a dead giveaway. It's the colors, I think, that are just. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to put it uh, aside from psychedelic. Um, yeah, it's nice. But um, yeah. Uh, so that is that is pretty good. Um, I'm sure that there is. I'm sure you, everybody's more than aware of this, but. Uh, We've got some. Did did you guys see the trailer for the upcoming Death of Superman 30th anniversary special? No. All right, so it's gonna be like this anthology deal, right? Um, it's it's just one of the stories. There's several other of them. One is gonna be focusing on the Guardian. One's gonna be focusing on Steel. Another one just on Jonathan and Martha Kent. Um. But the big one is going to be about John going to school one day uh, and um, uh, a kid comes in wearing a black armband with an S-shield on it and he said, I'm here to talk about one of the most famous days in the history of Metropolis, which is the day that Superman died. And John Kent goes, what? Um, In that same story, I guess, or perhaps in, in a different one featuring Clark and John they're introducing a new character named Doom Breaker which is basically Doomsday but bigger and with four arms like he went full on Goro I guess Uh, and it's John and Clark teaming up to bring him down the first one between the two of them sounds cool second one uh, I, I think we're gonna have to wait and see on that but uh, it's they're all interesting nonetheless, and um, I hate to segue like this, but uh, uh, Rachel Pollock is uh, in the she is in the ICU. She is. Oh my god! Are you serious? A, yes. I haven't heard about this. She, yes, she has launched. A, there's a GoFundMe that has been launched. Um, oh holy shit! Uh, I don't have the i don't have the address in front of me right now but if you google that rachel pollack p-o-l-l-a-c-k uh doom patrol writer for a very long time um uh she created dc's very first trans hero and she could use some help so if you've got a few extra bucks google her gofundme and help out there lily renee uh lily renee she is a hundred she 
well, was 101 years old. She also passed away today, um, very recently. She was a just a giant. Well, Rachel uh, Pollock hasn't and, passed. And, has, has she? No, do, Rachel no. Pollock hasn't passed. Lily Renee has. Um, Lily Renee was 101, but she was a she was a gigantic art storm as far as females go. She was one of their very first female comic book artists during the Golden Age. And uh, she pretty much, nobody really paid attention to her until she, you know, she became a little more famous back in the 80s and 90s, or in her 80s and 90s, excuse me. But, um, yeah, so th- that that's a little sad. She's, she's definitely one of the OGs there. I'm doing horrible transitions today, so deal with it, guys, I guess. <laughs> Have you guys seen uh, Nemesis Reloaded? Uh, yeah, with, no, I posted from- my... I posted a whole article about that over on Substack that you can check out. Plug. Um, <laughs> Plug. And yeah. uh, you guys can get a chance to stop on over at the Substack, read Brandon's write-up on it, and check out the it, It's a little art. It, it is a little negative, I will admit. Um, that is because, and uh, and we discussed this on the sub or the Substack. We discussed this on Discord, but I would still love to do it. Our... our uh, our, our debate, our great debate show, because um, Lord knows I would like to have uh, a discussion about Mark Millar. Um, <laughs> is, yes. is as, as I put it, incredibly hit or miss, and that was a very nice way of putting it, uh, because there are books that he has done that are like just genius, and then there are books that he's done that are so terrible, I, I shan't speak their name, the authority. Um, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> My my point is, uh, it, it is a little negative, but I, I think I tried to be a little more analytical with it. Um, so so maybe 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 I'm being too hard on myself. Um, but yes, I have seen Nemesis Reloaded. I have seen the art, which is exciting. But I, I talked about sort of my disappointment with Jorge being slotted as the artist for Nemesis. Ha! Huh. Horrible idea there. You complaining about it anyway? No, it's it's not because he's. Yeah, it's no, it's not because he's a bad artist. It's just because it would be smarter. Again, it's it's all on the Substack if you want to check it out and also satisfy my ego. Um, it's it's just because I feel like Jorge would have been better suited creating a new universe with Mark Millar instead of adhering to the already established stuff that Steve McNiven drew in you know two thousand nine or whatever year the book came out. So it's been just, a while. I I feel like it's better to create something new to let Jorge stretch his creative muscles rather than have him adhere to, you know, prior established character models and universe physics and all that stuff is that's kind of what you want to do with a creator own book. This is, again, I, I, I talked about it on the Substack, but it's essentially work for hire because he's being brought into a universe. He's not creating a new universe, um, which yep. I felt would have been a smarter choice. And for those of uh, and for those of you listening that aren't aware, our Substack is one hundred percent free, and you can find the links to it at notarobotpodcasts.com. Yes. So go ahead and do that, and check out the art because I fucking love it. He's uh, Jorge Jimenez is one of my boys, man. One of my favorite actors or artists. Jesus, I'm having one of those wonderful days. Uh, sour notes. Uh, in the news today, uh, there was, uh, are you guys, there was a graphic novel called Gender Queer. 
A lot of states are trying to get it booted out. Virginia courts dismissed it. Michigan did not. So if you are out there in Michigan, there is a Kickstarter that has been put together for the legal defense of of the censorship of books like this and thousands and thousands of others. So if you got the money, please donate there as well. It won't matter much if you're not in Michigan, but if you are, damn it, do something. And then... Finally, and I almost don't want to bring this up. Um, how big of fans are you guys of Mike Diodato Jr.? Uh, uh, well, fan isn't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, oh, that was it. I'm hit or miss. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah. I was I was basically saying the same thing. Fan isn't quite the right word. He's yeah. done some good stuff. Done some less than stellar stuff. I, I think yeah. most writers just don't really know how to use him as an artist. I think he just. He he. Uh, okay, my theory about Mike Diodato is, he's got the talent, he's got the the right ideas, but he's thinking too much of the '90s where excess is more or better, and it's mm. not because every there was a, there was some brief period on Avengers where every male character had so many muscles it made no sense. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I just I just feel like every. That... Every project I've seen him attached to has either been kind of an awkward use of his ability, um, or it's it's like almost there, but it never it never quite gets it right. The only writer I think I've ever seen work pretty well with Diodato was weirdly enough Jerry Duggan on Savage Avengers because that was basically just the action book and like let's just let's just put wall to wall shit and not try and stuff it with dialogue. If you if you want to see Mike Diodato stuff. The dialogue. Read. Um, oh my god! Why am I blanking on the name? The the book he did with uh, with Straczynski over at uh, AWA Upshot. Uh, I think it's called The Resistance, and that is literally just like stuffed with words. And it's like you chose the worst possible artist for this. Mike Diodato <laughs> is not like one who's great at drawing talking heads. He's like you know he should be doing action. He should be doing big buff guys fighting stuff. Even though I know he draws too many muscles, but. Um, that's my opinion. I feel like he's never on the right projects. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny that the both of you guys happen to uh, touch upon the whole muscles thing that uh, that Diodato tends to center on, because and it's it's deleted now, but he posted a from behind naked picture of himself and a from behind. Oh picture of the actor uh, uh of of namor in black panther in the black panther uh coming up movie and uh i believe the words he said were uh, you can tell somebody screwed things up when a character from a movie looks in in worse shape than the 60 year old artist who drew him <laughs> yeah right, give me one second guys sorry someone's knocking my door sure no problem. Um, you know, like like you guys said, Diodato is hit or miss for me. Um, but that is that is exceptionally arrogant. That yeah. he was like, can somebody can somebody show me where arrogant is on the shelf, and then hand me a ladder so I can climb a little higher. <laughs> I'm looking um, at the picture again now. I, I remember, I forgot I saw this a couple of days ago because I've been so busy recently. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I can't remember the, the name of the actor. Oh, 
Tanaka wears a... He, he looks pretty fit. Like, it, that's just one still image. That's not a good representation to really base your entire judgment of the man's physique, especially when you're in your 60s. And I'm sorry, Mike, Mr. Diodato Jr., you're wrinkly as shit. But... Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be... I can't tell if those are folds sorry or muscles. I, I I don't mean to sound mean. It's the Canadian in me. I have to apologize when I when I sound rude. But buddy, you got no leg to stand on right now. No, he doesn't. And why do you have to assume that every single fucking superhero needs to be built like the rock? Yeah. I think that's fucking dumb. I Namor has never really even been one of those super uber rip dudes i mean except when maybe diodato was drawing him and that's it for my news <laughs> yeah uh, i i just got two minor video game things um dreamer is officially going to be in fortnite of all bloody games like right the on girl version of dreamer yeah that's interesting fortnite's gotten pretty huge i got a lot of shit going on and um Multiverses DC related, I guess. Uh, they've announced today actually a new character that will be coming out next Tuesday in a little teaser video they they released, uh, and it looks like oh my god, what's his name? Gizmo from Gremlins. Oh yay! I fucking love Gizmo. Yeah, <laughs> we already knew Stripe was coming, but now we're gonna get Gizmo. I'm excited. I am excited as well. It looks like some of those leaks may have been dead on. Oh yeah, no, they're they're definitely <laughs> there. There are some uh, leaks that I'm still kind of questioning because like that doesn't make any sense. But we'll see. How about the we'll only see. one that I can't get my head around is Eleven from Stranger Things. Saying that they're going to yeah. put her into it doesn't make any sense. That's not a Warner Brothers property. No. Um, I think if you HBO do third-party characters, that's a really weird first choice for a third-party character. Right? <laughs> oh, and as far as the Dreamer thing in Fortnite goes, uh, there was there's there's at least some speculation going on around Lady Gaga having uh, an upcoming concert in Fortnite, like Fortnite does want to do from time to time. Um, so there's probably something along those lines happening at the same time. That'd be pretty cool. Okay, last time I played Fortnite, it was a it was it was a game about building and shooting people and surviving. What the hell happened to it? There's concerts, there's there's Star Wars teasers, there's events, there's superheroes and Dragon Ball. What the hell is going on with Fortnite right now? I don't understand. They are doing whatever they have to to keep the eye on them. Yeah, they definitely are. You know, everybody knows the star eventually burns out, right? That's it. They're they're just holding on for as long as they can. Brandon, do you got any news? A Uh, a couple, a couple of small things. Um, Well, really, just yeah, I guess two small things. Um, There is a a new book announcement that I can't believe I missed the last week, Um, but uh, I must have just must have just forgot about it. Um, But uh, but Jason Aaron taking a break from. whatever he's doing with the Avengers, uh, launching a new book at Boom Studios, which seems to be the hot thing right now. If you want, if you want a big, successful book, you take it to Boom, and it blows up. Um, 
But that's one called Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, which is going to be yet another three-act, 15-issue book. Um, I, I see that Jason Aaron has been talking to Al Ewing um, as well as, uh, as, as others um, because he said, oh, okay, I, I really like what you're doing with uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead. I'm going to steal that. Um, and that's exactly what he did. Um, <laughs> as he is to do. Yes, as, uh, as he will be doing essentially that. It's a three-book story, just like uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead, only the difference is each book, which is uh, an arc of five issues, respectively, will have a different artist. So the first one will be, um, and I, I hope I don't butcher the name um, for this, um, but uh, the first one will be an artist by the name of... Um, Alexandra Tefenki. Um, he did a book called The Good Asian with Porn Sec Bishishote, which is pretty good, but I just, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't, my, my California accent can't, can't get it. I'm sorry. Um, the second book will be done by uh, Leila Del Duca, who's no stranger to us, did some of the stuff on Wonder Girl and uh, some of the future state stuff as well. Um, and then the third one, which I'm super stoked to see, is uh, from Nick Dragota, um, who, if you've ever read East of West, is just the greatest fucking artist you've ever seen of this generation. Um, but yeah, that should be cool. It's a uh, post-apocalyptic romance, so you know it's going to be sweet, uh, falling in love at the end of the world, and uh, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, again, I haven't really been following what Jason Aaron's been doing over on Avengers because it's, it's a little too ridiculous for my tastes. If you, wanna, if you want further details, talk to Kirk about that. I think he's still... He's still punishing himself with that one. Um, but hopefully this is better. <clears throat> um, and in Marvel news... Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Oh, I, th- I thought you were clearing, I, I your, clear, <laughs> clearing your throat to make a statement. Um, no, no. But yeah, that, uh, that should be... Off. Yeah, that, uh, that should be cool. Um, and uh, I believe is launching in either November or December. I got to double check the date on that, but I think it's November. Um, so definitely check that out. If you're looking for some other stuff in your life from Jason Aaron, um, that is not Avengers. Um, though Punisher isn't that bad either. Um, and then the second one, it's just kind of a short one, but I, I, I love talking about what I'm reading and I feel like we never get to do that enough, but I started, um, the Captain Marvel run from Jim Starlin recently. I literally just read the first issue today. um, And it is so wonderful. It's so wonderful. And it's so 70s too. Um, And uh, I I hope to give you guys more updates on that. Um, But the first issue was was, uh, definitely different than what I expected. Um, But uh, it should be an exciting ride. I've heard a lot of good stuff about this. And I'm finally getting a chance to sit down and read it. So that should be fun. Uh, But that's all I got. Speaking of what we've been reading, uh, to, to... I guess we'll never know what Rob is reading. He's, he's frozen <laughs> forever. Oh, no. It seems that, uh, well, that's the second time Rob's dropped out. So let's wait a second and see if he, uh, if he will be coming back. There he is. Okay. Sorry about uh, that. You left us in suspense. We, we never knew what you were reading. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, Transformers Last Bot Standing, which is the the final Transformers <laughs> story, I believe, from IDW. Yes. Uh, issue four, the last issue came out yesterday. I've not had a chance to read it, but the first three issues were quite thrilling. 
And if you're okay with spoilers, which you find out in the very first issue, which the last spot is, uh, which you remember my rant a few months ago, I was saying if if the timeline is correct and to be intact, it must be a Maximal or a Predacon, maybe somebody from Beast Wars, but no, it's actually Hot Rod, Rodimus Prime himself, which I think is a really nice choice. They put a lot of stake in recent issues, recent, recent stories about Rodimus being the true leader. So it's it's it's, it, it's, it's not an obvious choice. Well, it, it is it for is. the IDW comics for what they've been doing with him over the past ten years or so. Uh, oh for, yeah, for what they've been doing, yeah, it's it's a it's a really good choice. They even had a little event called uh, the Death of Optimus Prime, and that's uh, basically the story of Optimus. He didn't really die. He just quit being a prime and went back to being Orion Pax, uh, so essentially not being a leader anymore. And that left Rodimus to be the de facto leader of the Autobots. So they really pushed for him, especially after the big story in Transformers: The Movie from 1985. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, it's been pretty good. Definitely check it out, especially if you're a Transformers fan. Uh, it does actually have what may or may not be hints towards uh, how the Autobots and Decepticons became Maximals and Predacons. Uh, I guess we'll find out with issue number four if my theory is correct. And in all my Dollarama finds, I found a copy of Grant Morrison's Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne, which I am almost done. And ah, guys yes. were right, it is a hell of a ride. Yeah, I, I remember reading or hearing about people complaining about it when it was new, and I don't understand why. I I still love that one. I know I know people have mixed opinions, but people have mixed opinions about R.I.P. too, and I I unapologetically love that story as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. My my point is, fuck people. Fuck. Yeah. fuck people. They don't matter. They don't matter. Fuck them all. All fuck that matters all. is you. Um, yeah, no, it is very fun. Well, I'm curious, what did you think of the? Um, what did you think of the? I'm trying to remember exactly, but I, I think it's like the the old west issue where he meets oh, um, Jonah Hex. Uh, Jonah Hex. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. I'm I'm halfway yeah. through through the uh, the noir like the mystery. Ah, yeah, yeah, where he's yeah. in like like I don't know forties or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Wild West issue was interesting. I really liked the pirate issue. I thought that was yes. That oh, was it was so much fun. Really cool. Yeah. Um, Even if it's the first, I like the caveman issue a lot too. Yeah, I, I like the, the idea of cool. that. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that that cave eventually turned into the caves under Wayne Manor. Yeah. Just Genius. is wild. Genius. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know why I didn't think of it at first. I was halfway. I was almost done the the first issue with the caveman. Before I realized that that was Vandal Savage. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which, yeah. <laughs> and right, yeah, the um, there's like a, I forget if he's in that issue, but the old man who's there, or maybe maybe I'm thinking of Final Crisis. But there's like when he goes back to the past, um, there's like this this character that you made at the beginning of Final Crisis, who Metron introduces the concept of fire to, and he's the same man that's like in the, the old man that's in the cave that dies, I think, right as Bruce arrives in the past or something. But that, that might be oh, in Final shit. Crisis. I forget if it's in The Return of Bruce Wayne. But that, I, I think it is, and that was, that was like, 
the perfect connection. Um, I mean, I actually just went through the first issue of Final Crisis in the past couple of months, too, so now I also don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have my copy of Return right here. I could just take it. Mm. I think the individual stories of that were good. I think the overall premise of it was really dumb, but I'm just not a fan of that shit. Like, uh, we're gonna send you a thousand years back into the uh, back into the past. You're gonna have to fight your way up back to the normal time. It's, I mean, I've seen it done a few times, and it's just not my thing. Seeing Bruce Wayne as a caveman or as a pirate. I don't know. I don't know where I've ever seen that before. I think that's why it was kind of just like Batman beyond the bounds of time and space. It just, it's, it's almost mind boggling. It's seeing Batman everywhere, no matter what. And he always ends up, I mean, it was just Bat mythos. It was just more, more, I don't know. Like I said, the individual issues were pretty good. The, the, the concept of him getting shot by a fucking time bullet and then being able to work his way through thousands of years without aging. Um, it was ultimately kind of dumb. Well, I'll admit, uh, Darkseid using the Omega Sanction as a mechanism for time travel was... I mean, I know I know that the Omega Sanction has technically never been defined, even by Kirby himself. I don't think he... Oh, did we lose Rob again? We may have, it looks like. Oh. Um, what you were saying? Oh, yeah, I, I know that the Omega Sanction, Darkseid's Omega Sanction, I don't think it ever been rigidly defined so it was one of those things where it's like sometimes it can you know disintegrate you sometimes it can transport you sometimes it can send you through time it can it's like the force it can be whatever you want it to be um right so so sometimes it can send you through time while spontaneously introducing a dead body in your place dressed well that that was now that's where it starts to get a little hokey because that is part of the Command D plan. Command, not Command D, the character, but Command D, like Command D, like the function on a computer, where they right. were manufacture. And this is this is probably the one part of Final Crisis where I, I raise my eyebrow and I'm like, this is this this is this is pushing it a little. But they were trying to manufacture Batman. Um, it does have a cool moment where because the experience of Batman is just so much for any one person to take it literally causes all of these husks to die, which is why when Superman arrives, all of the husks are burned out and he finds coincidentally one burned out husk of Batman. But um, yeah, that, that idea, it, it is a little hokey. The idea that Darkseid would need an army of Batman. I get he's powerful, but I'm just like, come on. It's that, right. that that's a little, that's a little too ridiculous. It's a great, I mean, the two issues where they introduce that, the, the two tie-ins, um, they're, they're not really tie-ins, but they're issues of Batman that are related to Final Crisis. But they're a good read. They're a solid read, and they, they walk you through Batman history pretty comprehensively. But um, I, 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 I can't lie. I don't really love that concept. I think it's kind of dumb, and I think it overhypes the legend of Batman. Like the, idea that a, the idea that an apocalyptic would look at this mortal man who, yes, is, has experienced quite a bit of trauma and is an expert planner, but would seriously go, you know what I need? I need an army of this guy. Is It's like a little hard to believe. Um, yeah. It's a little, it's a little you know, too Because, you know, fuck the pair of demons. Yeah, or, or even like <laughs> an army of, of 
you know, speed force beings, like beings that could tap into the speed force or an army of supermen or manufactured Amazons or I don't know, like of all the people you could choose from the Justice League, you went with, you know, the guy who, yes, is an expert planner, but like a, a lot of that is resources and money and time and planning. And I know he's an apocalyptic and I'm sure he has that in spades, but you would have to give that to every single member of your army and it would just, it would be impossible. It's it's not like with the, um, with, with James, oh my God, can't talk today, with James Tynan's um, idea of like the, the army sponsor, you know, basically a Navy SEALs version of, of, of Batman, because they would obviously have the funding of a military and they would be trained and it's, it's soldiers who are learning how to operate like Batman. Like that makes sense, sort of. Um, but this, this was just, this was like, oh yeah, I'll just have an army of them. And I, I don't know, I guess I'll, I'll give them some weapons and they'll figure it out because they're Batman, right? Like surely they'll know what to do, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Right, it's yeah, like I, said, it's I mean, it's pokey. Batman knows everything and can do everything. So that's just yeah. the way it is. Uh, Rob is having some internet issues. Uh, he is doing his best to get back on with us. So uh, while we're waiting for him to do that, um, we're going to go ahead and move forward with the show. And I guess that means the the, the next time or the next thing that we're going to discuss real quick, since we've been bullshitting for almost an hour now, <laughs> is honorable mentions. Um, I got three to shout out for. Uh, first is DC Saved by the Bell Reeve. That was a fun, a fun, fun book. Um, Harley Quinn, Real Sidekicks of New Gotham, number one, is a, is a companion to the animated series, and it is actually really cool. Um, it it. it it all it's bringing it even brings in uh clayface's daughter which i i completely forgot he had to be honest with you and that was a pretty tragic story too uh and then finally nightmare country number five uh, i can't tell you enough if you like horror comics you will love that i would say that that's probably time for the spotlight but uh we don't need no stinking spotlights yeah plus we don't have anything to spotlight yeah um, I will say one more yay. thing. Awesome. Yes. I will say one more thing about the DC Saved by the Bell Rev uh, or Bell Reeve. Um, yes. They have yet another rare appearance from the Gotham Academy kids. And I, I'm contractually uh-huh. obligated uh, to pimp them out whenever I can. So if you're picking up this book for any reason, don't pick it up for the, the um, Azrael story, which is great, or the Super Sun story, which is great. Pick it up for Gotham Academy because we want we want more of that. We need more of that. And if you show your support of this, maybe they can throw us a bone and we'll get another series. So that's that's my last plug. We are all done with with the with 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 the uh, honorable mentions and the gigantic spotlight session that we had. So I believe the first <laughs> book we were going to talk about was The Flash. Uh, I believe so. This is the Flash Annual 2022, number 1.7-theta, the interactive experience. Um, This is written by Jeremy Adams with art from Sarah Jacunia, colors from Matt Herms, and letters from Justin Birch. Um, The premise for this is very simple, and I mean, we we do get kind of a cold open with Warden Wolf that's going to be building on to the later story of Warden Wolf running for mayor, but... That's not our focus here. Our, our main focus is on a story that could not be more simple 
And the premise is Wally West reads Linda Park's book. And what is the story of Linda Park's book, you may ask? Literally her life. Um, because if there's anything that a writer will tell you, it's write what you know. And what she knows is her own life and her connection to Wally. So this is a fictionalized, we'll say that, version of events um, where Linda, now named Beth Hunt, is Rob back? Hopefully. Okay. Okay. You had you had me going there for a minute, buddy. Hopefully, we can keep you on this time. I was I was just in the middle of the flash. Um. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, Beth Hunter. Yes, Linda Park, now named Beth Hunter, for the sake of this story, is going through her life, uh, specifically a life of as she calls it, plans and best laid plans. She has a clearer direction of where she wants her life to go. And uh, though she tries and tries to make sure that it goes the Beth ways. Oh, my God. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. The Beth ways. Yes, I did. The Beth ways. Uh, I was, I'm going to be was, the best dad in the world. <laughs> you, um, you got yes. it. Um, anyway, her, her plans are trying to go the best ways, but unfortunately, as life is wont to do, it takes a couple of detours and turns along the way. So while she set out to be a writer uh, and entered into uh, Keystone Community College with that goal in mind, ultimately life throws her in a couple of different directions and she ends up becoming a reporter, starting from the very bottom, ultimately working her way up. Um, she gets married while she's in college. But that gradually falls apart because I assume her commitments were taking precedence over her marriage. And so her life plan did not exactly go out the way that she had hoped. But it's all good because she's happy where she is. She's focused on her career. And her career has now taken her to the wild and strange lands of New Mexico. Uh, specifically, uh, the dusty realms of New Mexico where something has been decimating the cattle. Um, and that creature, that strange creature, is headed right for Linda. Oh, my God. What is she going to do? Well, have no fear. The beloved hero, William West, or excuse me, William East. Um, I'm yeah. uh, speaking too much a little bit from life here, but we all know But his, it is. his friends call him Billy. His friends call him Billy, and I'm surprised they don't call him Wally, too. Um, but uh, <laughs> she saved at the last minute. Oh, I hear an echo. She saved the last minute by William East. Um who introduces her uh, to the rest of his uh, not-rogues friends called the Golden Recovery Crew. Uh, and in this version of events, Wally, who is still kind of a lovable scoundrel, is not exactly the heroic Flash that we know. He's a, he's a bit more of a thief uh, in this version. Um, but we meet the rest of his team, who are all very much inspired um, by the real-life uh, rogues of Wally's life, including a character who I think is literally just called Rathaway. So nice yeah. job, Linda. You couldn't, even, you couldn't even come up with a new name for Pied Piper. Um, but like I said, you write from experience. Um, but they are teaming up uh, to basically <clears throat> fight against a plot that Kadabra has been initiating and we see Wally, damn it, we see William and the rest of his team go up against them. Um, and uh, in the midst of it all, in the chaos, we see the burgeoning love and finally the official love uh, between Beth Hunter and William East. And as Wally closes the book on, uh, on Linda's fantastic tale, he realizes 
that his wife is just the best person in the world, which uh, which warmed my heart. Um, and mm-hmm. later takes Linda on a wonderful romantic date to, I believe, is uh, Rome or Italy. It looks to be Rome, uh, where they have a wonderful heart to heart and a little bit of a scary moment at the end um, before closing the chapter on this uh, strange installment of The Flash. Um, this was just an absolutely, absolutely loving issue. Um, I would say a beautiful tribute in a way um, to the life of Linda West, even if it is a fictionalized version of events with such a wonderful and sweet ending that really puts the stamp on Linda and Wally's relationship and uh, makes me wish I could, I could have something like that too in my life. Uh, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and uh, just uh, like I said, just a, a great tribute, just a great reflection on, uh, on Linda. And uh, even if I, as I said, it's a kind of a fictionalized version of events you kind of know what the story is really about, um, and it's 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 serving its purpose in honoring the life and times of uh, of Linda Park West, um, who's just a, a phenomenal character. Um, yeah, I think uh, I've Agreed. said pretty much all I need to. Um, so, I gave this one an eight point five out of ten. I had a lot of fun with it. I think that it was it was everything that you said, and probably almost a nod to how in the hell are these guys still okay as a couple when all he does is stop by drop off whoever he rescued and then run out before he can finish eating and this is why because they make such a wonderful team no matter what is thrown at these guys wally and linda they are always going to be there and be there for each other um serge akuna and matt herms uh this is like the perfect example of the right way to use lines for shading all over the first page of this issue and as well as the cover for Linda's book, which, speaking of, I loved how god-awful cheeky and obvious it was. I kind of <laughs> snickered throughout the throughout most of its exaggerated absurdity. Um, I don't know if you noticed, picked up on this, but Billy is super fast, but he can also fly. And earlier in the issue, we saw Linda in a Superman shirt so it was almost like (laughs) foreshadowing yeah (laughs) um after the book was over though as corny as it was with uh wally and iris uh i said iris oh god no and linda (laughs) (laughs) that'll cause some problems (laughs) wally and linda talking after i got a little emotional i felt the feels man when you find someone in your life that does that don't let it go sometimes it takes you nearly half a century but um that's just me speaking from experience anyway it was a super sad i hear you man but but I fucking loved the book. And Wally yeah. and Linda may be having another baby. So we... oh, I didn't I didn't want to spoil that. Oh shit. Shit. Oh, here. That's I'll why I said a scary little note. surprise. Oh fuck. Okay, well let's I'm gonna mark that time down and I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna beep it up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Consider it um, beeped, my man. It's it's but funny anyway. we were talking about. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say one last thing. It's funny we were talking about uh, Chris Claremont a little bit earlier because this issue actually reminded me of I believe it's Uncanny X Men one fifty three, the the Kitty's uh-huh. fairy tale issue where she's basically telling um, Ileana the the when she was like a small child 
uh, a fairy tale, and the fairy tale is inspired by like the events of the Dark Phoenix saga, but it's told in like a high fantasy, like very satirized way. So like, you know, uh, Cyclops is a swashbuckling pirate, and Jean Grey is a princess, and so it's it's inspired by real events, but it's a very fictionalized, uh, satirized version of that, and I love that stuff. So this it reminded me of that in the best ways, and and uh, definitely put a, another smile on my face thinking about that. Absolutely, man. Um, that 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 scary surprise. I I there's all kinds of questions to ask about it. Um, mostly, how is it affected? Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to get into that because I can kind of give it away. But uh, yeah. you know, I I just I can't tell you enough how much I love the art in this issue and the issue itself. I gave this a nine point two five. Right on. Yeah, this this whole issue was just adorable. Very cute. A lot of fun. I can't wait to see more stories with this pair, this couple. Easily one of the most wholesome couples in comics right now. At least nowadays. Oh, yeah. I I obviously don't know way like anywhere near enough about Wally and Linda throughout the nineties. Uh so I don't know how the relationship was back then. It was very much uh very much cat and mouse, particularly oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wally as as a very very over eager cat. Uh, we'll say that much. Oh. Finally, <laughs> yeah. finally was like, all right, I'll vibe. all right, all right, settle down, boy. I'll throw you a bone. Um, <laughs> I don't think uh, anybody could ever sum that up better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The West family, Wally. Well, at least Wally's family. Wally's part of the West family is easily one of my favorite dc families oh yeah between jay and irie even uh wallace right now just a a wholesome family that even the kents would strive to hold to yeah. hold a regard to I except for say. wally's parents fuck them yeah. everyone else is cool though yeah just just the current wests that's all yeah 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 uh so i, I gave this an 8.75 out of 10 the art was fantastic the story was interesting it's pretty much what you'd want in an annual i'd say yeah well i mean yeah you know what no i was gonna i was gonna argue with you but you're right it it is a a, it's a relaxing escape and it's also tied to the main story and that 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 third part that that being tied to the main story is something that i love when they do yeah. it in an annual, but the fact that this just wasn't a, a nonstop continuation of the story and they stopped, they took a break and told a good story within the overreaching one that's currently running. I think, I think they did it wonderfully, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's now... frustrating when you get an annual that is really just an oversized story that has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. Yeah, that although, oh although God, now pisses me off. I, I have to I have to ask, who is the better writer? Because as we know, Linda is not the only spouse of the Flash to have written a book. Iris West mm-hmm. rather famously did her life story of the Flash, although I don't think that's in canon anymore. But that was that was sort of like <laughs> the de facto story of like Barry Allen and the novel of, of the Flash and, and Iris's testament uh, to her relationship with Barry. And the story of Barry's time as a hero. So now the question is, which one is the better one? 
Because you have to, you got to throw them in a cage match together and ask yourself, <laughs> is it is it the life and times of Barry Allen, or I think it's just the life of Barry Allen, or I think it's the life story of the Flash, or something like that, or is it best laid plans? So, all right, so send in your scores, me, viewers. <laughs> let me put it to you like this: your your opinion, the 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 Iris one is like a Emily Dick dickinson love poem where you're you're pretty sure that's what it is as a love poem (laughs) um and then the wally and linda one this is more like one of your super cheesy yet enjoyable hallmark movies oh my god (laughs) (laughs) you're not wrong yeah (laughs) yeah you're not wrong I, mean, I I hate to say that, and I hope my wife does not listen to this episode. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I will, that, that, that one sentence is gonna. It, oh, I will have lost so many arguments. <laughs> yep, I I, I completely I, I understand that. <laughs> I would be in the same boat. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, I uh, I suppose we are all done with the flash. You guys want to zip on out of uh... oh, Houston shit. City? Thank you. <laughs> I was like, it's not coast. What am I? Nah. <laughs> I'm just confusing everybody today. <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say, I was like, if Linda can write a book and Iris can buy a book, I think I think we're all just waiting. For that moment when Joan decides to write a book about her time, <laughs> Jay Garrett, and I, I think I think that one should be like you know like a really serious thriller or something like that. So it's it's different from the from the standard romance books. Like Joan Joan should do something drastically different from all the other uh, Flash wives. Like maybe yeah. like a, a really intense thriller, like My Time with the Flash, uh, for good and for ill, or something like that. I don't know. After these messages, we'll be right back. Or as we'll find out soon enough, in Harley Quinn 2022 Annual, Part 1, Chapter 6. No, no, they they haven't numbered them anymore, have they? They stopped numbering them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're just like called number one or something. Yeah, They, they listened to us talking about how silly it was to number these. Yeah, so this one is brought to us from writer Stephanie Phillips with art from uh, Simone Buonfantino and George Duarte with colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr. and letters by And World Design. Task Force Double X has made their way to Earth. Uh, they have uh, teleported into the forest that the large, monstrous, venom-like creature arrived in previously and armed with their fresh new weapons are uh, met head-on by uh, some alien-controlled soldiers with with their new weapons. They make quick work of that and then start to deliberate on what they can do with a plan because the alien is not where they are. They don't see Grundy. They don't see Lashina. Uh, as Harley points out, it was a distraction. Uh, so uh, Luke realizes... Uh, comes up, sorry, not, comes up with a plan... Uh, that Frost uh, can use her ability to kind of siphon some of the life force away from the the alien creature, or monstrous creature, I should say. And then they start to question where it could have gone from here. 
Uh, since Gotham is the closest city, but what's the point of going to Gotham until Luke realizes there is somewhere else between here and Gotham that I don't think it could resist, and that is Blackgate Penitentiary, uh, where we see it is broken oh, no. in, uh, takes over some security guards, and opens up all the cells, starting a riot, and then takes over everyone in the prison, uh, just as Task Force Double X arrives and starts taking people down left, right, and center. Um, let me interject down. here real quick since you're talking yep. about people being taken down left right and center i just got a message from holly she is outside of this room cooking dinner where she heard me talking about the goddamn hallmark movie reference so oh, i am gonna good. have to eat some crow tonight <laughs> someone's sleeping <laughs> in the couch <laughs> All right, sorry. I know that was unrelated, but pray for me. <laughs> All right, so they free a guard and realize, or they don't realize, but they, they, they free a guard and get some information about where it could have gone. Uh, or Harley, Frost, and I don't remember that character's name. Verdict. Uh, they break through a window Verdict. and yeah. head off towards... Uh, the alien creature, but are met by a controlled orca, and hardly makes some quick uh, orca sea-based jokes, but nobody really laughs, including the famous Krill Now, back to our program. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and they eventually start to take down orca, uh, but verdicts after... Orca is frozen by Killer Frost. Verdict says, uh, tells them to go ahead, uh, and she will hold Orca off. So they run off to find the the alien creature, where they start to make a plan. But Harley just uh, goes for attack sequence alpha, which only she knows what that is, and heads straight for the alien creature. But is captured because a hammer can do nothing to the giant monstrosity that this is. Uh, where now uh, Caitlin Frost has or Caitlin Snow <laughs> has to come in and save the day. Uh, using all sorts of abilities we haven't seen before, uh, including her usual uh, freezing techniques, and actually brings an end to this whole ordeal, stopping the alien creature, sucking its life force, and everyone gets freed. Uh, they come to Harley is alive, just barely, and uh, then they all start to regroup, and Luke heads off to... Uh, try and get everything functional again uh, but Harley gives him a pep talk because he's, he's still not feeling the greatest about being the cause of all this and then Harley uh, tries to come up with an interesting name for him going forward uh, which is Jack and the Fox which is kind of interesting that makes Luke laugh which uh, really cheers up his spirits uh, I don't know so... what he's talking about he already has a name it's Shadowhawk yeah. Have you seen that costume? <laughs> it's literally just Shadowhawk. Yeah. He's just missing the mask. Uh, yeah, um, I could see I, that. Yep. He's, he looks exactly I, I the same as Shadowhawk. The last, I'm yeah. almost, I think I even said that last week. Yeah. Christ, I'm surprised it, it just, Valentino it's... didn't sue. Um, so after that, uh, they all then go for frozen yogurt and just relax after having saved the entire world uh, and 
that is the end of the story. Harley gets her wish. Uh, in a little bit of a backup story, uh, which was written by Stephanie Phillips with art from David Baldion, colors from Antonio Fabella, and letters again from Andrew World Design. Harley and Kevin have gone off to Vegas, where Harley is spending her hard-earned money that she got from Luke and the adventures she had with Task Force Double X. Uh, but they are being targeted by what a, at first you don't realize it, but it turns out to be an FBI agent claiming that she has something, uh, but she has no idea what it is. Uh, and as it turns out, it's actually an alien that snuck on board uh, to wherever they are, snuck into their hotel room, uh, and they don't know what to do with it. So that will be continued in Harley Quinn number 22 as a little tease to the upcoming storyline going forward. And, and that's the annual. I, I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, at least for this story, it, it was a very interesting story for everyone, I think, besides Harley. Like, Harley was really just being Harley the whole time, but everyone else had a storyline. They had character growth. They had purpose. They had plots. And Harley was kind of just there, which I found, I, th I think is kind of weird considering it's her book, but, yeah. Gotta make room, right? Know. It's, yeah. Well, it's the thing about the the, whole thing that is, kind of is yeah, it, it does say the end with a question mark at the end of that. So, yeah. are we going to see a whole lot more of Task Force Double X? I hope so. I thought it was a pretty interesting team. Especially with uh, Shadow Fox, you know, I think that'd be really cool to see Luke. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Luke coming back. I honestly, anyhow, in two months, if he shows up and says, "I picked the name Shadow Fox," we need to start like getting some royalties. So, oh God. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm very curious to see where Luke is going to go from here, because uh, this is the biggest character growth for Luke since I think he took on the moniker of Batwing in the first place. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it was an interesting story. I didn't dislike it. I, I can't say I overly enjoyed it, but I did enjoy it um, for what it was. I gave this annual an 8 out of 10. Uh, the story going forward will be quite interesting, I hope. Uh, Harley Quinn, so far, is, has been a decent book. Can't really complain about it. No, last few issues especially, this whole weekly deal has been working out pretty well. Um... It's it's action packed. It's got some really good art in the front. Colors and shadows are awesome. I, I mean, in in the fr in the front of the book, the art is fantastic. I loved all of Harley's dumb jokes this issue. Um, it wrapped up the Task Force Double X arc pretty nicely, leaving room open for more. In the back half, Harley going to Vegas, knocking out the FBI, discovering an alien, and then never getting her damn cheese. That. <laughs> That is a classic Harley story, man. Um, it needed a few more puns, but we got lots in the first half. Uh, um, was 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 this spectacular? No, but it. But is it what I'm looking for from a Harley book? Yeah, I mean, pretty much damn near. I'd prefer it was all just one story, but I like intelligent Harley right there alongside with crazy Harley, and there's. There's much more to Harley than this, but this is the Harley that was needed for this story. Just work in Quinzel a little bit more, and that'll work. Um, it's not a masterpiece of a comic book, but I did enjoy it. I am going to say that while I didn't 
hate the art in the second half of it. I certainly hope that that is not the art style continuing with the book. I want more of what's happening up front. Uh, I gave it a 7.75 out of 10. Uh, I gave it a 7. The only comment I had about this I already made with uh, the Shadowhawk comparison because I find that hilarious. <laughs> and I, and I, I had to double-check. I was wrong. But I thought the the colorist in the first story is Romulo Fajardo Jr. And I thought in like a weird, strange connection, he also did the cover to the most recent last Shadowhawk book that just came out this week. No, he did not. Program, right? Okay. Yes, um, <laughs> but he did not. And the, and I was like, oh, that would that would make it so much better. Um, but but he did not. Um, so I I uh, unfortunately I, I can't Shadow make Hawk that in so long. It's okay. I, I recently okay. completed the first series on part of my, my image binge. It is okay. It's probably the third best of the original Image Founder titles. It's a little tone deaf, I think, was my biggest problem, which maybe others won't have, but it was the way it handles crime was it, it feel it feels very tone deaf on that half. Um, which I know it's a comic book, like I can't expect a realistic portrayal of crime, but yeah, it left me a little cold, especially because he's going around snapping people's backs and shit. But anyway, uh, yeah, Luke Fox, Shadow Fox. I would be shocked if Valentino Shadow didn't sue. Fox. I, I hope he does. Outside I, the Fox. For for his sake, I hope he does. Just to just just to, just to spite them. Like, don't even ask for a lot of money. Just do it for like like ten grand or something. Like, just 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 a, a minimum amount that you could you could ask for. Just just to kind of fuck with them. I would love to see that, but it probably won't happen. Anyway, 7 out of 10. 10 grand, and you demand that they name him Shadow Fox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, it would just be like, you have, to, you, have to, you have to cease and desist all use of this costume and any references that may have, you know, slight similarities to my character, uh, Shadow Hawk, and that sort of thing. Like, just, just a really ridiculous Unless... <laughs> We could settle out of court for a box of milk duds in an envelope. Oh, um, no, yeah. <laughs> sorry. No. Oh man. I don't. Anytime I don't. I, I don't work in a Friday reference. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't trust me. I don't think. I don't think they're gonna handle it like that. Although that would be very entertaining. It definitely would be. Um, what did you say you gave it, Brandon? Seven out of ten. Right on. All right, so not stellar for many of us, but it wasn't a bad book, right? No, no, just uh, just kind of average. Yeah. You get, are we ready for the next one? Sure. I think so. I've been ready for All about right. eight months now. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Writer and cover artist Joel Jones, and I'm going to say, wow. That is an amazing cover on the Wonder Girl 2022 annual. Um, as far as covers go, it's the best of the bunch. Action is a very close second, but we'll get to that later. As a co-writer on pages 14 through 18, we have Douglas Marquez. And due to the immense amount of backing of, of bouncing back and forth, I'm not going to list the page numbers for the art team, but it is made up of Emmy, jeez, uh, Emmy Lennox. I always have to paste their name out. Adriana Mello, Sweeney Boo, Ben Dewey, and Jordi Belair on so many pages for coloring. 
O and uh, Pat Brazal for, le- uh, for the lettering. This long, um, I'm not sure how to say it, delayed. It wasn't really delayed at all. Uh, you can tell that because it doesn't really tie into any other previous story with the exception of a couple tiny little minor things. I, I wouldn't call it long awaited because I know that at least Brandon and I forgot that this was even coming, even though I love the character. Um, anyway, here we go. Annual starts out with the origin story of Yara Flores Pegasus named Jerry and why he's not chilling with all the other flying horses. And oh, wait, hold on. Okay, I'm going to side rail for just a moment. Um, bear with me because I feel like this is somewhat important if you're writing about gods and that's that you need to research them. I love mythologies. I have since I was a kid. The book asks, what is the plural form of Pegasus? There isn't one. Pegasus is the name of one of the winged horses. It came out of the blood of Medusa when Perseus cut her head off. There's not more than one. Um, a winged horse is just a different kind of chimera. So uh, outside of that, there's a genus of birds. Also wouldn't pluralize that. There's a constellation of stars. Not just one, but a constellation wouldn't pluralize that. And the only way that you would be able to pluralize the word Pegasus is if you're talking about a very, very ancient Corinthian coin, which was basically their version of the Pegasus, uh, of the penny they called a Pegasus, in which they would have said Pegasi. But as for flying horses, for the love of God, people, stop looking for the plural form of Pegasus. There isn't one. I'm sorry. Rant over. I've been saying that for 20-something freaking years. Uh, the rest of the Thank story you, Frankenstein's is Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> the rest of the story is broken up between two places, Akahim and the home, which is the home of the Escazita, and the festival uh, Folclorido de Parentes, or the Parentes Folklore Festival, which is one of the largest annual festivals in Brazil. That one I had to look up. <laughs> Uh, but without flipping back and forth, because this basic, this does, it happens simultaneously, and I will get verbal whiplash. Here's the rest of the story. Um, backstory first from the book. The Kuka used to be human. A long time ago, there were two sisters who fell in love with the same man. So as one would expect to happen, they decide who gets to keep him with an archery competition. The losing sister wandered deep into the jungle and made a deal with the Brazilian god of the underworld and protector of the forest, Anhaga. He told her that he would give her what she wanted in exchange for innocent blood being spilled. So she goes and murders the newborn son of her sister and that guy she wanted. After doing so, she's banished, beaten all to hell and banished out of the village. She runs and she's running through the jungle and her flesh is getting torn off, revealing her to be a crocodile inside. She goes, she trips out on Han- on on Hanga and he says he gave her revenge and that was what she was looking for and did her a favor showing her who she really is and then gives her a book of spells. Finally, he tells her one last thing. Men will see you as beautiful Women will see you as dismissible. And then he just poofs out. At the festival, 
This is a very long time later. At the festival, Yara, JC, and co. are having are, are there to have fun, but mostly so Yara can try and hook back up with her boyfriend that she left behind to become Wonder Girl. But he's got a new girlfriend, though. The Escasita, other than Yara, happened to know who that woman is, and her name is the Kuka. A fight breaks out between the Kuka and the Escasita, and there's a doozy of it with fire and all that, until JC, the littlest one, but probably the baddest ass, Escazita, is launched at the Kuka and snaps something completely unidentifiable and um, never previously mentioned from the Kuka's neck, and boom, everything is, well, on to Akahim. Uh... That includes the events of what was happening in Akahim, a creature called the Mam- the Mapinguari, a Brazilian legend with a few different stories. Um, I did go back and read them. There's some fun videos on YouTube as well, but it's kind of cool. It's basically a cryptid. It's a Brazilian Bigfoot. Anyway, the Mapinguari is attacking Akahim and the that snap that happened a while ago where JC snapped that whatever it was off of the Kuka's neck. Um, it was apparently a satchel of herbs that allowed the Kuka to control the Mapinguari. Uh, taking that off of her neck somehow killed both of them, or at least made it appear so. One last big thing to wrap up before the story reaches its glorious conclusion. She gets her boyfriend back, and then they all go home to start repairing from the attack. I love Yara Flor. The character is absolutely cool and I'm a huge Sweeney Boone uh, fan. This is the perfect kind of book for her to, to have her on. Uh, Bel Air's colors are all on point and Marquez is great. Nalo uh, is someone I'm usually a fan of but I was not impressed with this one and that bums me out because I want to say that I loved all the art but I can't. And the story had, it had nothing to do with anything at all. I almost felt like the dealing with this witch was and 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 seventy percent of the work that was done in this book was backstory and the whole thing was about Yara getting back with her boyfriend and I felt like that was seriously bad. Um, it just kept Yara in her little bubble. It didn't advance the character in any way. The voices, the characters, the whole thing is fantastic as far as she goes, but this book is not uh i feel like it was just it was a generic story it was just nothing but filler and it was not needed if we were gonna get a wonder girl story and you fought to get the damn story made you should have given us a good one even if i forgot that this was coming i didn't forget about yara and i want her utilized not forgotten but this was a waste of a character it disappointed me I, most of the art I love, except for Melo, who did like a third of the book. But um, I'm a big fan of the rest, so I'm going to be nice. And I gave it a 7 out of 10, even though the story really let me down. Well then. Uh, I, I, am, I am the complete opposite there. Um, maybe not complete opposite. I'll, I'll, I'll put an asterisk on that. It, it definitely doesn't feel like an annual story but there's also no book around this for this to really make a difference so it definitely feels like this would be 
the story that was supposed to go on if the uh, the uh, the initial book had continued going, uh, and then that got abruptly canceled for reasons we still don't know. So this got pushed into the annual. But I definitely expected kind of a more open-ended, like bigger storyline than just. Uh, an adventure with Yara Floor. Uh, while it did kind of wrap up some loose ends from her short-lived series, it did... I, I don't want to say disappoint, but it kind of disappointed. Uh, just for expectation's sake, but as, a, as far as the story goes and the artwork, I really enjoyed all of it. I, I thought it was uh, an interesting story with Yara being such a fun and exciting character. Uh, I just don't understand why this book couldn't continue. It doesn't make any sense to me. If it was sales, that's one thing, but it's I blame the fans at that point because that's really stupid. It was a really good book. Uh, for this annual, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I really enjoyed what I read as long as I remember to curb my expectations. I want to know what the sales figures of the Yara Floor series is compared to the Clune and Conrad run of Wonder Woman and the Psychic Milk. And then I want to start slapping people because for some reason I just know Psychic Milk sold more. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'm... Oh. Oh, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Cool. I, I guess I'm uh, I'm right there in the middle. I, I don't think I loved it as much as you did, Rob, but I, I didn't hate it either. It was just it's kind of a fun story, and I mean, I, I like seeing more of the Escasita, um, and uh, seeing Yara spend more time with the Escasita was, was nice, because that was sort of one of the things that I wish we got more of in the series, but I think because it ended yeah. so early, we didn't really have that opportunity. Um, so my hope is that we can get more, you know, uh, stories like this of just them you know, taking down some kind of mythological creature, whatever uh, the case may be. So I didn't really have a problem with that, plus... I thought some of the mythological stuff was really interesting. I was ultimately, and this will not come as a surprise to you guys at this point, but I guess I was more interested in some of the the creative team in the in the background because um, there were a couple of names that I saw that like threw me for a spin. Really, just two: Emmy Lennox being the first because I yeah. thought she was done. I, th- I thought she didn't do comics anymore. Um, I read Platona from Jeff Lemire and Emmy Lennox, and I thought that was like the last time she'd ever do a book. I, or maybe not. Maybe I'm just ignorant and I hadn't been paying attention, but I saw it. I was like, holy shit, you're still working? That's great. Um, so that was, that was cool. Um, and uh, and another one. There. Yeah, and another one, Benjamin Dewey, who I, I saw that name and I was like, that is so familiar. And I don't know why. And it rankled at me, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to go to Google, and I'm going to look this up, because this should not be stumping me. And the reason was he did this book with Kurt Busiek called The Autumn Lands, which was it was pretty cool. It's like kind of this fantasy book with anthropomorphic animals. But I think it was because the art in that book was so different that I didn't even recognize it when I looked at the actual pages in Wonder Girl, which is hilarious because the person who colored that book was also Jordi Belair. So maybe it was just a really weird approach in this issue. I don't know. Or maybe I just wasn't used to seeing him draw that many humans. I have no idea. But it looked radically different from anything I'd ever seen from him before. Um, So, yeah, I was was honestly having more fun with that than, than the story, which was not bad. It was just, you know, it was kind of like 
it was fun, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, breaking down any doors for me. It was just nice to see more of the Escasita. Yara is fun. That was really it. Like, if you get more of that, I'll probably read it, but it's not making my top tens anytime soon. So I was, I was more interested in, in who was actually producing it rather than the story itself. So got an eight out of 10 for me. Nice average score, I suppose. Well, I mean, as unpopular as the opinion might be, I would rather them put out wonder girl books than wonder woman books, given how, shitty the wonder woman books have been in a while for 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 a while i mean let's be honest over a year they've just been anyway yeah well we've been talking for like an hour and a half and i want to say maybe even longer than that i want to say the next book we're gonna cover is the whole reason why anybody is even listening this week or at least the biggest reason you want to tell us about it yeah where to begin um i you know we've been having a lot of fun here um and i think that's great we should be having fun um now it's time to get serious because we're about to enter the apocalypse and i know you both know what that means so let's stop, let's stop goofing around. Let's stop joking around. Let's get into the heart of this madness uh, because we're going to take a little trip over to War World with War World Apocalypse and the end of all things. Or is it? Uh, this is, of course, brought to us by the maestro, I suppose, or the maestro in training, I should say, given that he's been taking lessons from Grant Morrison recently, for which I want to kill him. Um, but that is, of course, <laughs> Philip Kennedy Johnson with uh, artwork in this particular installment by Brandon Peterson, Will Conrad, Max Rayner, and Miguel Mendoncha with colors from the entire thing from Lee Lowridge and letters from Dave Sharp. Now, the summary for this is going to sound pretty short. That is because the story actually reads, pe- excuse me, whoa, that is because the story is not petty. It reads pretty fast um, and there is a lot going on but it actually moves a lot quicker. So if it seems shorter, that's not because I think the story is washed. That's just because it's, it's, it's moving so fast. I, um, I, I almost feel like, uh, I, I don't have enough to say for it. Um, but, uh, where, where should we start? Because we're looking at this from basically three different points of view before they all converge at one point. So let's start with the very beginning as we cue in at the stronghold of the resistance where Midnighter, Manchester Black, and Enchantress are fighting off the invading forces of Mongol who are being led by the possessed members of the Authority, those being Apollo, Light Ray, who is still the Black Razor at this point, and Omak. Now, the remaining members of the resistance realize that the only chance that they have of defeating their possessed teammates and also getting the upper hand over Mongol's forces is to stop Apollo. So Manch and Midnighter decide to team up and pull a fast one on Apollo, trying to trick him and get into his mind to ultimately get him to remove his neural implants. They achieve this by tricking him into thinking that the Justice League has suddenly appeared and it's attacking him and they're trying to implant something in his brain, which causes Apollo to reach into the back of his spine, starting with, I guess, the nape of his neck pulling out the neural implants, finally realizing that everything has been an illusion and breaking free of Mongol's control. Apollo and Midnighter have a very touching reunion that I posted over on Discord that made my heart feel very warm and fuzzy. Um, and they decide to turn their attention next um, to figuring out what to do with Omak um, and, uh, and Black Razor. Um, but before we get into that, we got to cut away to another scene 
where Natasha, Leonath, and Orphan have broken into Engine City 1 in a wonderful bit of espionage and are now fighting against Teacher, who is amused at the fact that only two of them have decided to show up. But that's because he doesn't realize that Orphan is there. And that's when Natasha reveals that Orphan is with them and uses the power of Genesis to completely decimate Teacher beyond all shadow of a doubt, finally gaining access to the Star Forge. As they make their way to the forge, they are met with an ambush of Mongols' forces, and Leonath decides that he must be the one to charge forward and get into the forge and deposit the Genesis, knowing that the forge's energies, as well as the wounds that he took during the ambush, will kill him. It's a beautiful sacrifice and a really touching moment between Leonath and Natasha in particular, who've had like kind of this side relationship throughout the War World saga so far, and... Uh, it, I, I'll admit it. It actually got me a little bit seeing him uh, sacrifice that that uh, you know himself like that, uh, and and his whole monologue about how he's you know a freed slave and all that stuff was uh, was a nice send off for a character that we only just got to meet during this particular part of the story. Um, but thanks to their Couldn't work, agree more. yes, thanks to their work with the new Star Forge in place and the mythical new White Star acting as one of the sun's power in War World, the Philosians now find themselves with new powers make quick work of the rest of Mongol supporters, which, for the most part, closes the chapter on the non-Superman side of things. We haven't even gotten to the Superman side of things yet. So strap in, folks, because this is where it gets interesting, as if it hasn't been interesting enough. Um, So at the far, far end of things, Clark is finally facing off against Mongol, who has revealed that uh, he has been working with Krillux this entire time, um, and that he has now decided that this is the moment to strike, especially given that Superman has in his hands the Olgren, oh my God, Olgren's fire, the fire of Olgren, um, something that he believes will give him supreme dominance, not only to crush the revolution, but to finally, you know, stake his, his total control over war worlds for the rest of the time. Um, so Mongol is making his claims and saying that if Clark doesn't give up the, fire of Olgren, he's going to kill the brats and all this stuff, and Clark is still in a state of complete confusion. He can't understand how Krillux has betrayed uh, the resistance uh, as he has at this point. And that's when Clark has decided that, you know, maybe it's better to just give up the weapon. Maybe I should just hand it over and save the lives of these poor Philosian kids. But unfortunately, Osel, in an act of bravery, but also complete stupidity, decides to step up challenge Mongol before Clark can hand over Olgren's fire, and that gets his ass killed. Uh, Clark is naturally very heartbroken and upset about this and flies into a brief rage before deciding that the best thing to handle this, not you know using Olgren's fire against Mongol, but instead using the fire on someone who truly needs it, someone whose bravery is not in question. And that, he applies to Osul, saving his life, or I guess bringing him back to life, um, and, and ultimately yeah. saving him. Um, this leaves Clark entirely powerless, right? He does not have access to his Kryptonian powers, as we've established the Red Sun is powering War World, and now he's given up Olgren's fire and is facing off against Mongol with just his strength and just his fighting abilities. And for the most part, is holding his own, but it's clear that Mongol has the upper hand. And seemingly he does, but as we've already previously established, Natasha and Leonath and Orphan have been working in the background at Engine City 1 to make sure they can hotwire the Star Forge with the White Sun, which they know will give the Philosians powers, as well as some new powers, potentially, of a full Kryptonian. Uh, and just as Mongol is 
completely tearing Superman's ass apart. It is that moment in which Superman finally is getting the full powers of the White Star as Natasha and Leonette um, and Orphan have succeeded. And now Superman can really give Mongol uh, a run for his money. And it seems like this is the moment where you're going to get the final showdown between Clark and Mongol. Superman's all powered up and ready to go. And Mongol gets his heart ripped out uh, by none other than Krillux, who, being a Philosian himself, is also receiving those powers as well. Uh, finally getting his revenge at the side of things. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I want to make sure I, I touch it as well. Uh, just before Clark and uh, Krillux have their final send-off, where Krill, having gotten his revenge, is going to leave to get even further revenge on the United Planets. In Engine City 1, the Black Razor, having realized that uh, Natasha and, um, and Leonath and Orphan have hot-wired the Star Forge, have made their... Or the Black Razor has made their way um, to the Star Forge in order to try and stop Natasha from doing anything further and hopefully dismantle it so that uh, the Philosians can lose their upper hand. And that's when Omak decides to chase after her, ultimately sacrificing themselves to save uh, Light... Or, well, she will eventually become Light Ray, but to save the Black Razor's life, remove the spirit of the Black Racer from uh, Light Ray, and ultimately giving Leah her life back, but sacrificing herself in the process. It seems like she's just clinging on to life, but in all likelihood, it looks like Omak may be dead, although Leah does say she's going to do everything she can to try and bring her back to life. Um, but that is ultimately where we end things. Light Ray is now back to Light Ray. Krillux has gotten his revenge and is off to fight the United Planets, and we get to see his final warning message at the end as he is talking to Ambassador Eliosh, one of the Lord Premiers of the United Planets, informing him that his journey across the United Planets and recompense that he's going to bring upon them is only just beginning um, because of everything that he did to the Philosians, having sold them out to Mongol in the first place and triggering the chain of events uh, that started this story. Um, and we get that final closing moment with Krillux. We also get the closing moments of Warworld where the Philosians and the Resistance are celebrating their victory. And Clark does the one thing that, of course, anyone would expect him to do following that celebration makes his way right back home to see Lois, sweeps her off her feet just as she is writing a letter to send off to Clark, um, letting him know how much he misses or how much she misses their time together, in particular one place um, where they were you know, spending time together. Um, Clark makes his way right back to Metropolis, gives her a warm, sweet embrace, thus closing the chapter on the World World Apocalypse. Um, so yes, I said it was going to be short, but it ended up being not short. You should expect that from me at this point. Um, wow, what an ending. <laughs> I, uh, I, I scarcely know what to say. I, um, I feel like I, I talked so much, I'm out of words. Um, but if you couldn't tell by my somewhat restrained excitement, which is why the summary seems a little manic, um, it's because this was just, just the best ending to an epic saga I've read probably since Infinity. This, this ending reminded me a lot of Infinity, um, Rob and... Uh, I was I was going to mention that uh, to Rob because I know you, you'd also read Infinity. But I think the reason was because Infinity had so effectively set everything up and then managed to put everything back in the box in a neat little way while also forging a future forward with the incursions and everything else. And and this was like exactly that, where it closed the book on the War World Saga in a very clean, very neat way and basically just put everything back in the box and, and established it you know, as as if, um, 
you know, as, as if nothing had happened, even though a lot had happened and our characters have gone through an immense amount of stuff. Um, but it put everything back together quite neatly and quite evenly while also setting up a new future for Krillux to take on the United Planets, which I really hope they don't just leave out there. I hope that that is, you know, next for, for Philip Kennedy Johnson. And my hope is that's not going to be in action comics. That's going to be in a book called Justice League. But we'll get into that later as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just it, it closed the door and everything in a very neat and even way. There was a little bit of confusion on my part regarding Krillux's plan, his ultimate plan, because I knew what he wanted and I knew why he wanted it. But I was still sort of confused in the how. We've already hashed that out for way too much time over on our Discord, so I'm not really going to get into it here. Um, but suffice it to say, I, I think I kind of understand how he planned um, to, to ultimately succeed um, over Mongol in the end. Uh, but suffice it to say, everything else that was not that um, was was pretty clear, pretty even, and resolved itself very neatly. So I had to give this a very well-deserved, very well-earned 9 out of 10. So close to being a 9.5, um, but uh, I, I had to dock it a little bit of points just for some of the confusion around Krillex's plan. Um, the art in this book, amazing. Um, pretty much everyone is firing on all cylinders. I think particularly um, Will Conrad, who I, I've kind of always been mixed on, um, I think just did a phenomenal job in this issue. I don't, I don't know what he was doing, or, or maybe it was just the way he paired with Lee Lowridge or something. I, I don't know, but for some reason I felt like his, his penciling was on point this month. Um, and maybe it's because Fuck, fucking it's the gorgeous. ending. Yeah, and maybe it's because it's the ending and he decided to pull out all the stops. I don't know, but... Will Conrad, in particular, was, I think, the MVP for this issue um, with, uh, with a close second from, uh, from Max Rayner. Um, so, yeah, just a, just a very, very solid and conclusive ending to the World World Saga with some seeds planted for the future. Um, I'm very hopeful as to how some of this stuff may play out in future books, which, again, I'm hoping is not action comics, but we will, we will get into that a little later. Um, but other than that, I have no major complaints, and I have to say, I, uh, I, I, feel, I feel pretty validated. I don't know about you, because about a year ago, about a year and a half ago, I was, uh, I was sitting in my dorm reading Action Comics, I believe it was 1029, the first ending of Philip Kennedy Johnson's first arc. On action comics and you two were being some some freaking debbie downers and were poo-pooing <laughs> it and saying the golden age was you know not very good and i was like hold on hold on i think there's something here i oh. think this guy i think this guy has something to say about superman and we're just seeing the taste of it and i was right so i get yeah. to rub that in your face yeah I, no, um, I, so I, yes right. i will give you i shit all over that that issue. You guys, you guys were all I the did. golden I age is trash. I can't believe this is what Superman is doing. Like we just had a year and a half of Bendis, and this is the best they could do. And I was like, hold on, hold on. I think there's some stuff in here. I think this might, as it develops, build mm -hmm. to something even better. Yeah. And I was that's, right. That's, so that the House of L. Ha. I mean, everything <laughs> this guy has touched has just been gold, except the golden age, huh? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you go back, you can't. Even, I can't even say that shit about that anymore. Seeing how it sweeps into everything else, Are you fucking kidding me? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You guys <laughs> I were doubting. I didn't like it back then. I was definitely downer. I'll, <laughs> I'll eat the crow on that uh, one, man. Yeah. It was, 
it was definitely a, definitely a mistake on my part. Yeah, I, I guess this, the moral of the so story, harshly. if you will, is let a story build out before you make your, uh, your final conclusions, and uh, you may right. you may just be surprised what you might find. But yeah, Three nine out of ten issues. for me. Nine out of ten for me. Just 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 an amazing ending for an amazing saga. That will surely be collected in a beautiful hardcover omnibus in the future, um, and oh, hell read yeah. for for countless generations to come. What did you think, Rob? Uh, so I I have thoughts about a tweet, but I will get to the the book at first. Uh, very confusing at first read. Uh, I would say take a couple of read throughs to really understand what was going on this whole time because it, it will help. Uh, and once you see what you're supposed to see, you're going to love it. It was fantastic. It was a thrill ride. I, I think we raved about every issue throughout the entire Waterworld saga and the stuff leading up oh my to God, it. Yes. It was. It, it's a, a, a book for the ages, and he's not done yet. I I don't remember if I mentioned it on a podcast or if we were just talking on Discord. Uh, but I think it was you and I, Josh, were talking about where he goes from here. And I compared mm-hmm. this to World War Hulk, where Warworld Saga is World War Hulk. And when you're reading that, you have no idea that Planet Hulk is coming. Right? Yeah. But it was being planted the entire time. And just in terms of, of storyline arcing and how many chapters it was and how it was split in different uh, different storylines fits the bill perfectly and I think Philip Kennedy Johnson has one big ace up his sleeve that he's been building towards that we have no idea what's coming yet that we don't see coming and I suspect it may or may not have to do with the Black Racer hmm. could be that could be interesting I think there's that, and I think there's definitely the obvious Felosia or new Felosia versus the VP, which again, I am, I, I, I'm, I'm putting it out into the universe. I want him to do Justice League when that comes back. Yes. When, when they have the title back, I want him to be the writer for that. And I thought, you, you know how like um, Tom King likes to put Easter eggs for his next book in every uh, twelve issue series he did. So like there was an mm-hmm. Easter egg for Adam Strange. In Heroes in Crisis, and then he did Strange Adventures. I like to think that the brief cameo we got from the Justice League is a little Easter egg. Just to say, like, <laughs> stay tuned, because I got something in the works, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be the Justice League. And I'm 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 so I I'm holding on to that so hard because I want it to be that. And I feel like the perfect story for that would be um would be the the new Felosia versus the United Planets, and that that is that is such like a that is such like a Hickman thing to do. Like I have this big ass run, <laughs> and I'm gonna use that to build to something even bigger when I take over another title. And I totally want to see that. Um, yeah. So please, please, universe, you do and me, me this both. Solid. I want to say, do me this solid. It has to be at least a, a a couple few months ago where the three of us were on a podcast talking about where we would like to see him at if he wasn't doing Superman. And I want to say the unanimous vote was for Justice League. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I mean... I'm, I'm hoping our, our combined prophecy powers will just will it into the universe and it will become reality. 
I sure as hell hope so. Now, are we, are we talking about his next book after action? Oh, he would still yeah. be writing action, but okay. mean, probably yeah, after. But my, my thing is, like, when the Justice League comes back, almost certainly with a new series and a new number one, I want him to be writing that. I want you to be leading that book. It will be. You know it will be. (laughs) And as much as I'm all for that, uh, if that's just a hope, then yes, I will agree on that. But if we're talking about reality, like what we think could actually happen, as much as Justice League is also up there, I'm I'm scrolling through his Twitter right now because I'm trying to find a tweet, and then I I got reminded that he did uh, Worlds Without a Justice League Green Lantern number one, which... Mm -hmm was was a, a bit of a twist that he was writing that um mm-hmm. compared to other writers recently that were doing green lantern and seeing as what has been said about the 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 and i'm not just talking about this because of the green lantern i, I swear i always feel awkward when i bring up green uh-huh. lanterns i feel like i'm just annoying people um <laughs> that stop it the, the the state of the book right now is in flux as is kind of obvious seeing as there is none uh, oh, but yeah. the plan is a 36-issue, three-part story, 12 issues each. We've had the first part, but Jeffrey Thorne is not necessarily the writer going forward, and at the second and third part could have different writers. So maybe Philip Kennedy Johnson is the writer for part two, if that plan is even still coming to fruition, or he's just going to be writing Green Lantern going forward. Because that's that also be the thing where uh, I think prior to Tom King's run when DC was doing that uh, Looney Tunes crossover thing where they just had the uh, uh-huh. realistic depictions of Looney Tunes characters it might have actually been during his Batman run I don't remember but it was, he did Elmer yeah, Fudd and Batman uh, yeah. but there's there's been hints before where like a writer has written a one shot featuring a character and then the next year they take over the book that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. That Justice League cameo was a hint. Um, yeah. <laughs> alternatively, and this one might be the more obvious answer, but I, I'm, I'm going to float the idea out here, and I, I'm interested to see your guys' response. But now that the chapter of the War World Saga has been you know, closed, and a lot of the larger story and characters are kind of going to go their own way, I'm interested to see what happens next with the authority because obviously Superman put them together mm-hmm. for this purpose, for this mission. And so my thought was, if it's not going to be the Justice League that could handle, you know, New Felosia versus the United Planets, what if it's the authority? What if this is the time that we're bringing back the authority? Because we already know DC is greenlighting a ton of Wildstorm books right now in honor of their 30th anniversary. So maybe now is the time that they have a new authority series that is set in space handling all the fallout from the War World Saga. So the characters mm-hmm. are not just lost in the background. I think that would well, also work as well. they'll be taking on Krillux. Yeah, I as think, I think that, that could work be, just as well. As much as that would be awesome, I honestly regretfully feel like they're going to be relegated to an Action Comics backup story. Oh, please don't say that. Yeah. Don't even, don't even not. put that in the world. Don't even put that in the world. <laughs> so, so I was scrolling through his Twitter because I'm trying to find the tweet he, he he posted a few months back teasing the hooded character that has been in action comics before and will be unlike uh, anything people have seen before. Because I wanted to get the wording right because I couldn't... I, I feel like I'm paraphrasing. 
and I that I have that in my notes. I'm still confused about who the hooded person is because the only hooded person was Krillux, but I don't think he's yep. been in action prior to Johnson's run. So it was again, and this was the thing that I had said on Monday, um, where it it is never it is never explicitly stated that Krillux is the shadowy figure. But pretty much all signs, especially if you go back and read 1030, which I did, um, point to Krillux being the shadowy figure. He's, he mentions in particular, I was the one who first approached Mongol about Genesis, about bringing you to War World, about all of this stuff. And if you go back to 1030, the first scene that we see is a shadowy figure talking about the secrets of War World and how you need a specific person to unlock those secrets, and that's when we cut to Superman. So it's it's never explicitly stated, hmm. but it's it's pretty much like all but said that the shadowy figure that has been working with Mongol all this time was Krillux, which I thought I thought was great. Yeah. Like, he didn't he didn't have to say it, but you just kind of know. Um, so Fair that enough. was that was cool. Right on, because I, I was also thinking maybe he's talking about Black Racer, uh, mm-hmm. who looks a lot closer to the. The, the classic version mm-hmm. compared to the more recent versions of Black Racer, which was also a very interesting uh, appearance, at least to me. I don't know how you guys feel about the Black Racer as a character, uh, but I thought that was, that was interesting to see that, that it was even there. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even really know what's going on with all the new gods right now, uh, per se. We've seen the Apocalyptans, obviously, in Justice League yeah. Incarnate, but we don't really know what's going on with, you know, the the, um, the new gods on, on New Genesis. So I maybe mean, there's more stuff in the works. If wrote is, is in canon right now, then Orion is the new High Father, and yeah. Apocalypse and New Genesis have kind of joined forces under Orion, if I remember correctly. So it, I think it was just Apocalypse, because I, I don't think we've really seen any of the you know, the standard new gods. Like, there's hasn't yeah. really been anyone from Light Ray or Mr. Miracle or um, Fastback <laughs> um, or any any of the ones that you know. Obviously, Fastback, Fastback one of the zoo crew. <laughs> Fast, Fastback being the most popular one. Um, yeah. Um, it's my anyway. favorite speedster of all time. Oh, God, yes. It's eternal. It's amazing uh, and adorable. I'm I'm talking about the, the infinitely more popular fast back spelled B A K because it's Jack Kirby, the troublemaker of New Genesis, um, and uh, and obviously the most popular and beloved character of them all. Um, maybe maybe New Gods could be a book for him. Speaking of of yeah. as you said, planting the seeds. New Gods. It's been a while since we've had a New Gods focused title. Yeah, it's usually been a. Oh well, yeah, it's it's usually been handled by like a writer artist like jack kirby obviously and then john byrne and jim starlin so it would be a little bit of a departure from form to have someone writing it and then have a different artist but it could be something i don't know I, I wouldn't mind seeing that either yeah uh yeah so that's all the notes i had i it's just a fantastic ride definitely worth a check out um if you haven't been reading it i I, I, I will say go ahead and read it, but it might also be worth it to wait for an omnibus because you'll get all the bonus content that you definitely should absorb. Oh, I can't wait to see all the backups for this stuff, like all the back matter. Fuck, that's yeah. going to be so great. Uh, Speaking of backups, uh, one thing I forgot to write down, 
my my complaint that I had on Discord is what happened to uh, the uh, the world without Clark Kent backup story that was in the last three issues of Action with the Super Family facing off against Conduit and trying to save Thao La. And then it said to be continued in Superman War World Apocalypse, and then they never showed up. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a cap, as the kids say. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think I said last week when we talked about Action Ten Forty Six that there was a part of me that hoped that the Super Family would come to to Clark's yeah. rescue or, or just kind of help out, and that would sort of tie everything together, including the backups, but. Honestly, I, I reading this conclusion, I'm glad that didn't happen because I think it would have really kind of invalidated Clark's whole story if they just came up to pull his ass out of the fire. Um, yeah. But I'm sure we'll see um, that continued in uh, 1047. Hopefully. Or maybe even in 1050 because now we start the march to that. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind... Um, and and the the bit of confusion at first i did dock it down to a nine out of ten which is still a fantastic score in my books um just read this one it's worth it the books of rob <laughs> Ooh, sounds ominous <laughs> i know i'm just gonna throw this out there i will take pkg Jay, I would love to see how he would do in a space cop kind of comic book because it's way different than a blockbuster. You could go in and handle it blockbuster style for just about anywhere in the DC universe, save for a few. But it, I feel like a Green Lantern story is a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you've never read Blackest Night, then. I'm kidding. Well, I <laughs> mean, that, that's that, about that, as blockbuster a, as it gets, baby. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got like what sixty plus issues if you count all the tie-ins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I would love to see uh, <laughs> this. This might be coming way out of left field, but I uh, I just read the Blue Flame. And I oh, from Cantwell uh, love... and Adam Gorham. Yeah, interesting. I don't think anyone and... read that book. <laughs> oh, I, I I literally just read it earlier this morning, and um, yeah. chapter nine of it anyway. And I, when we're thinking about a Justice League versus uh, Krillux trying to save the trying to save the United Planets or getting in the middle of it, Cantwell. Canwell has a way of writing that I think would serve that story pretty good. And um, the one person that came to... (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Oh, has has he been horrible in Iron Man? He did a a similar... He he did a similar story... Well, I don't want to say similar, but he did a Korvac story, which was also very cosmic and uh, spanning in Iron Man, and that was... That was something. That was something. (laughs) Well, well, if you if you go back if you go back and listen to the reviews I did with Kirk, I don't think I ever scored an issue because I I I could never land on it. It was like weird. I I didn't know if I loved it or I hated it. I just my 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 thing completely. I know my thing my thing. If I remember correctly, I was literally just like, 
I, I don't even know. It's it's a book I can't stop reading, but I don't know if I like it or dislike it. I just kind of keep reading it. Um, I, I, so, I yeah. did stop reading before Korvac ended, okay. but keeping up with what they're doing now, just like, what 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 the hell happened? It was what, what's it was on? it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, and yeah, and when you're reading it, you're like, I really like this. Like this, the art's great. The story's interesting. Yeah. But what the fuck is going on? I don't like. Yes. It. Oh my god. <laughs> it was exactly like that. It was it was yeah. literally just like this is cool but i don't know what the fuck's happening and i don't know if i like it (laughs) it's so weird it was so weird yeah indeed the the only other and you know it's it's a a day too late kind of thing but um that kind of thing i would have loved the the justice league taking you know acrylics up thing um, Alan Grant would, I think, would have been really cool to dive into that. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's not the, like I said, not not like if you don't go full, like nothing but blockbuster, but you you make it a little grittier, a um, little bit more personal. I think I think that would have been awesome, but unfortunately, he's not with us anymore, so. Uh, okay, so for me, World World Apocalypse. This issue has have either one of you been on Twitter seeing what we tweet? I mean, you know I haven't. So yeah, I, I've seen what you've been tweeting. <laughs> um, this issue was so much to process. Uh, so much was happening, but it wasn't overcrowded. It, it the pacing felt great even multiple plots going on at the same time just coming together it was it was it was it was really good man um if the issue of flash didn't get me misty eyed the letter lois was writing clark sure as fuck did um and way past that man the whole issue well the art amazing story amazing dialogue amazing surprises amazing plot twists in short, amazing setups for future stories. The whole arc, amazing. The the last year of Philip Kennedy Johnson and his varying creative team on Action Comics. Um, it it took me a while to consider this, like us normal people and not superhumans like Brandon who get his early. I got this early on Tuesday, and um, I saved it for last because of how big of an event issue it was, or how how big it was supposed to be. Today, or actually it was yesterday, um, I decided I'm 100% behind this opinion, and I have put an immense amount of serious thought into it. The two of you or any of our listeners can feel free to tell me that I am wrong. I'm sure that I am going to, but give me a moment here to show you exactly how much I mean this. The Black Mirror, Court of Owls, Rise and Fall of the Batman, all of the White Knight verse, Hickman's X-Men, Paper Girls, Fearscape, The Flintstones. Read the latest one. It's not on here as a fluke. It's amazing. The Mark Russell series? You read that? Oh my god! Yeah, fuck yeah, we never talked about this before. Yeah, <laughs> it's I love awesome, that, bro. dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fatal, Lazarus, Orlando's Midnighter series, Wade's Daredevil, um, Tainahisi Coates, uh, who's an amazing author, by the way. Their Black Panther, Murder Falcon, Immortal Hulk, Sex Criminals, Shudder, Invincible, DC Metal. These are all 
way, 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 way up there for comic arcs, comic runs over the course of the past 10 years. And even the now currently very close second place that has been my favorite arc ever, Death of the Family. I could go on and on and on with other picks, but after a lot of consideration, like I said, I have made the decision, Philip Kennedy Johnson's Action Comics run is the best comic run of the last decade. Well, now that's definitely uh, not true, but it is definitely one of the best. It is. Well, I I know that's not true because you literally just said that the Swamp Thing was one of the best books you read last week. So are you contradicting yourself, sir? No, Um, no, 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 no. no. I said the Swamp Thing was one of the best ones. I am saying that Philip Kennedy Johnson Superman is has taken the spot of Death of the Family of my very favorite runs um, stories uh, in, over the course of the last 10 years. It has, well, I will it has agree. replaced it's, it my is, favorite story. It is, oh, well, that, that is surprising to hear. Um, I, I, it, I, I it definitely will not say it's the best, for me to think but uh, I, I will say this, and I'm sure I'll get flagged for it too, because there are probably going to be some people who are mad, uh, but fuck them. Um, it is definitely <laughs> one of, if not the best stories to come out of action comics in the past 10 years. I, I feel like that's fair to say. Yeah. But I would, it, I would be interested to hear the rebuttal for that. Um, there were I moments would, I, of Dan Jurgen stuff that I really liked. Yeah. I, I still love the Superman Revenge Squad to this day. Ugh. But I, I have to, I have to say, well, it was just fun seeing the super family together, but Right. I have to say, of, of the books to come out, of the stories to come out of action comics, this is definitely one of the best ones of, I would probably say, the past decade. I mean, especially I mean, if you I'm think pulling... the past decade is up to the New 52, uh, oh, then yeah, yeah, I can completely uh, well, agree with that. Well, Morrison's action comics is a part of that, and I, and I love yes. that. You know I love but that. We're also, but we're also in 2022, and yes, his run yeah. lasted, um, what, 18 issues? So yeah, ten years ago, we were maybe halfway through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Easily so. the best out of action, and I, I mean, I I went through like Probably the best out of Superman. My favorite, honestly, I mean, the Tomasi my, stuff was my, great too, but this was just like it was something yeah. else, you know. Every once in a while, my absolute I think about it. favorites. Yeah, it is up there. And if it does not go down in the ages as one of the best stories ever written, then something is horribly wrong. Oh, and people's would, opinions would just, need to be swayed. That would crush me. That would truly crush me. But I don't think it, it will. It deserves to be in that. It deserves to be in that list that I just spit out because all of those are amazing. amazing my my runs final vision for years. this book is, you know, you look at like. Um, I'm trying to think like you, you think of like iconic runs of, of recent years, like a court of owls, uh, Jeff Lemire's animal man, Jeff Lemire's green arrow, <laughs> Jeff Lemire's anything um, <laughs> books that have been collected, you know, in like the DC essential editions, right? Like clearly there is a, a, a love for these arcs and my final vision for this book, among other things as well, um, is that, you know, five, 10 years from now, this is one of those essential editions runs, like the War World Saga, whatever you ultimately call it, Superman, Liberator of War World, whatever. This is one of those stories that like it's it's sitting on, you know, the shelf of 
most popular titles at Barnes and Noble if that still exists uh, ten years from now. But um, like something like that, where it's it is it is held up as like a standard, a model for just wonderful storytelling in Superman. So that's that's where I see it being. Um, and I, I I really hope I'm right with that because it would crush me if it's not true. It's got to be true. I mean, if you change my mind about Death of the Family, for fuck's sake, then yeah, you're going to get a book. You're going to get a book. Um, I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't know if it was even possible for me to fully separate the score of this issue from how I feel about the whole thing. But I want everybody to know that I did. I honestly fucking tried. I tried. Um, but action, emotion, progression... Character development, voices, dialogue, believable plot twists. This issue alone is the perfect storm, and all of those words can be used to describe the entire fucking run from the very first moment he put pen to paper with Superman. And it's gotten nothing but better and better. From the first moment, huh? Boy, yeah, we should have changed up. our team. I'm never going to let that go. I'm never going to let that you go. Can- you shouldn't because you know hey no. sometimes we're wrong yeah. um but uh i i honestly i said this would never happen i said there's no such thing but i gave this book a 10 out of 10 it's pretty good man yeah i'm gonna pull up a clip from a year and a half ago from march <laughs> of you guys shitting on this and i'm gonna sp- i'm gonna spam you all with it I'm going to put in like a bunch of like laughing emojis and stuff like that. Um, Absolutely. I need to uh, put that out there on Twitter. Look how wrong I was. (laughs) You know what the funny thing is? And this this is the last I will say of it, I swear. But I I think the reason I feel so validated is because I was in the same camp as you. I was one of those people who thought that Mark Wade was going to be the next writer for Superman when the rumors were flying around. And when it was announced that... uh, that Kennedy Johnson was taking over, I was like, fuck this. I'm not reading this crap. I don't care about this guy. It's going to be a total wash. It's going to be a waste. It's probably just going to have like seven issues. It's going to be replaced by someone else. And man, I was so wrong. Um, and I'm so glad. So that, wrong. Uh, I'm so, I'm so, so, so glad that uh, when that first issue came out and I, I saw, I was like, there's something there. I can see it. And maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the asshole. Maybe I'm wrong about this. And I'm glad I'm so glad I was wrong about that. Um, so there's a there's a funny little story for you there. I, I am not without guilt as well. <laughs> Good. That makes me feel an awful an awful lot better. Uh, an awful lot better. Did I say that right? Anyway, hey, before we go any so, further, I do want to say and let our listeners know that we are branching out into more than just review episodes. I probably should have put this at the beginning of the episode here but we're going to start going back as a group and checking out story arcs that we thought were huge or close to our heart or at least very much worth a discussion we're going to start recording those very very soon and as in this saturday which will be great yes 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 it will we're going to be starting with Day of Judgment. That was Brandon's choice. And man, what a damn, what what a read through going back and reading all of that. That was, oh, yeah. Uh, that was awesome. I, I had not touched this fun. one in, uh, in four years. And um, it'll, be, it'll be very nice, not only to, to finally have a chance to talk about it with some other people that are not myself, um, which makes it sound like I'm insane. 
Um, but it'll, it'll be nice to, to hear uh, you guys' opinion on just the story as a whole. Because um, yeah. I, I feel like I, I read it in a vacuum, so I never really knew what anyone else was saying about it. And, you know, it was, it was a trade paperback. It's not like I read it when it was coming out. So mm. I just kind of read it, put it away, said that was cool and, and uh, didn't have much else to say. But to actually hear some other thoughts about it is, is going to be really, really rewarding and really validating. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. We've had this in the works for a while. It's finally coming, and it's uh, it's going to be a hell of a time, I'm sure. Now, for Absolutely. the listeners' enjoyment, are we covering all the tie-ins, or are we just doing the main story? If anybody there wants to read along with us, I think the, the main focus okay. is going to be on the. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was basically just going to say yeah. The main focus, most of the the discussion is just going to be the main books. Uh, I will be that that uh, irritating guy that'll dump in about a paragraph about the tie-ins here or there if they deserve it, but um, yeah. a lot of the time they just don't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so... A lot yeah, of the time... Oh, I want to, I like want to ask if it... Back in time. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. Nice, nice one. Nice. I think we should add uh, the Flintstones to that list of story arcs that we are (laughs) going to be going over. I think that would be awesome and a lot of fun. And um, I definitely want to give that a read. I had mentioned to you when we were doing the... (laughs) I had mentioned to you, Brandon, when we were doing the... uh, horror comics crossover with not a robot screens that uh, I'd mentioned to you about the DC ghosts annual storyline. And I think yes, it would be fun yeah, to do yeah. that one as well. Yeah. That's one. That's one of those rare ones that I haven't, I haven't actually read it yet. So I have no expectations and I'm, I would be really excited to do that because um, you have read it and I have not. So I have no idea what I'm getting into aside from what you told me on our, our I little mean, it's... Uh, escapade with Isaiah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't picked it back up. I just I it was one of those, you know, like I I read it way back in the day and then I read it uh just a few weeks ago, but it was like mm-hmm. one of those breezy I'm just going to flip through and enjoy this cheesy awesomeness. Um Yeah. And, and and so so I've got to go through and read it again in order to be able to get down my notes and stuff, but We've got all kinds of them coming up, man. I have I have no idea what I'm getting into, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, especially one that uh, I I can't even remember if I've actually read it before, but I think her sister's keeper is listed as one of them. Um, yes, it and, is. Uh, yeah. If if We've I got... if I had read that one, I remember nothing about it. So that'll be a good one to uh, to get into again. That's a that's a really deep story, man. Do we want to it's, it's, announce the whole list? Because I have it written down here. Sure, why not? Uh, what? Uh, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. And there's going to be more added. Yes. Yeah, so so for now, consider this a season one, if you will. Before we get canceled <laughs> by, the, by the network. <laughs> Okay, so starting off, we're recording this Saturday. Number one will be Day of Judgments, and then we'll be going into Gods of Gotham, Justice League, The Lightning Saga, The Return of Barry Allen, Her Sister's Keeper, The Sinestro Corps War, Smallville Attacks, 
Death of Superman, and finally, The Cult. Oh, I can't. I mean, I think you guys have probably read The Cult before, but I can't, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to talk about <laughs> that one. Oh, that's one of my favorite Batman stories. Oh. I th- I th- I th- <laughs> um I threw on an, an additional one for the uh for that list. I guess I didn't tell you guys, but I want uh Defenders the best defense on there as well. Oh yeah. Is that, is that the oh. recent Can we Defenders? do that though? Isn't that a Marvel book? Are we breaking the laws? I don't care at our We're breaking the rules. We can do any kind of We're any breaking kind of the rules. I thought this was a DC off. show. We can't read the the Al Ewing Defenders team up book. That's not fair. <laughs> I love that. Have book. you read it, Josh? I have Immortal Holt Silver Surfer Doctor Strange and Namor. Mm. Ah, of course I've read that shit. <laughs> has one of my oh, yeah. favorite lines it's it's just so straightforward but it makes me laugh i think i think it's like something like for the final chapter it's like this is the train um because they're riding that <laughs> cosmic train or whatever and i saw that and i don't know why it made me laugh but it did because it's corny as fuck <laughs> Wait, i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta pull this up it's, it's the line. oh man where is it yeah, and there Yes, are... no, the first line is literally, this is the train. You've seen it on the edge of sleepless nights. You know it well. But just that just that cold open of this is the train, just I don't know. I don't know what it was. It just made me bust out laughing. Because it's corny. It's like what yeah. what kind of a way to open up um, is that? But Yeah. It's good. It's a damn good story. Well, I guess we'll get into that later. Speaking into Whew. getting All into right. That. Yeah, I know. It's uh it's been a hell of an episode. Um definitely uh definitely a long one, but a rewarding one, I hope. Uh but unfortunately we have to start to wrap things up here as we all have our, our various places to go. So we are going to transition to our top three books of the night. I'm gonna start with you, Josh. Um what were your top three books of this week and what was a standout moment if you had one? All right, uh, number three, Nightmare Country. That is golden. Number two, The Flash. That was sweet. Number one goes to Action Comics. I don't know if I'll ever give a 10 out of 10, but I did this time. I hope I get to say that a lot more. (laughs) Never thought I would. But uh, And then my favorite moment is, uh, well, honestly, it's either Flash's mushy parts or Action's mushy parts. But I think I want to say that that letter that Lois wrote to Clark was was probably awesome. my favorite moment. It was simple, it was awesome, and I I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Rob, how about you? Uh, so mine's very similar. Uh, number three, I had Wonder Girl. Uh, number two, I had Flash, and number one, I had Superman: War World Apocalypse. Uh, and for favorite moments, uh, I was kind of on the same lines uh with the flash's mushy parts but it was more uh wally getting really into that book where he had to like take a break grab some chips and just dive right in properly it looked like a really relaxing afternoon and something i cannot wait to have soon oh, so jealous. <laughs> good luck my man good luck oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as for me my top three are literally exactly the same as yours josh at number three i also had nightmare country uh number two the flash which warmed even my cold black heart uh and at number one which should come as no surprise superman world apocalypse singing the praises of the series 
pretty much since the beginning, um, and it is it is just it's just amazing, and it and it will go down. I hope, I pray, as one of the best Superman stories of the past decade. Uh, my favorite moment were also some of the sappy moments. Uh, I, I could not choose between two, so I'm just gonna put them both and break the rules. Uh, the first one is the reunion between Midnighter and Apollo that I posted on Discord. I saw it on Monday. Oh, hold on, it, hold it on. Also, right before then, though, that was an awesome part where he goes, I love you, baby, but you're really starting to piss me off. Oh, just excellent. <laughs> just excellent. I, I just, I, I love, I so love Midnighter and Apollo's relationship. It's just yes, the best thing ever. Do. It's so, it's so real and so genuine. Um, and like, <laughs> Fucking right. I, I just, I love, I love that moment, uh, not to go on a tangent, but that moment in Superman and the Authority where like, Apollo's trying to subtly imply that Midnighter might have had an affair, but he can't quite come out and say it because he's being all bashful. But he's just like, I don't smoke and you don't smoke, but I found matches and I need you to explain how they got there. Um, it's just like, oh, it's so, it's so catty and I love it. Um, and <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even getting into their like classic authority days when they had baby Jenny as like their surrogate daughter and were trying to be too totally irresponsible dad just they're just so great um but uh that was that was my favorite one of my favorites uh the second one though also is is wally's little love speech uh to linda um and also the moment where he's like my wife is a nerd which was just oh, so wonderful um so yeah good stuff indeed i i, I don't know i mean i'm in, I'm in such out. Yeah, I'm in such right. high spirits. I didn't even write a transition for the for the biggest thinker. So I, I need you to come up with something <laughs> clever. All right. Well, in order to round things out, why don't we blow things out with the biggest thinker? Oh, all right. My biggest <laughs> thinker is going to have to be Wonder Girl. As much as I love the character, I just felt let down this time. Could have been a lot better. Yeah, I'm honestly gonna take some Pepto this week. If that's allowed, <laughs> like if we have any in stock, because I I didn't uh... dislike anything. I, if any, if I was gonna put anything on the list, it might have been Harley Quinn, but uh, not. I, I so let me clarify: Harley Quinn, real sidekick is a new Gotham, just because uh, side stories sometimes like tie-ins like that sometimes like aren't my forte, not my interest. But I I didn't really dislike anything. It's perfectly valid. It was a small week too, so it's yeah. not like you had a lot to choose from. Uh, True enough. I would also take some Pepto, um, but uh, honestly, for me, the uh, the weakest was probably Harley Quinn. Um, I, I mean, it wasn't bad by any means. It's just kind of very average, not all that impressive. Um, and Luke Fox looking like Shadowhawk while entertaining. Um, Shadow is, Fox. Uh, yeah, is, is, is just kind of corny. So, yeah, Harley Quinn gets it for me. All right. Well, then I guess that is it for the show, huh? I believe it is. Uh, so with all that said, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you stopping by, and we hope we'll be here next week, hopefully for a less manic episode. Um, but uh, if you would like to support us further, remember you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcasts. Again, for a one-time donation or you know further um, 
uh, a further subscription uh, for access to the rest of our stuff. Uh, as Josh mentioned, we're on Substack and we're putting out stuff semi-regularly, uh, stuff that's definitely worth your time and not because I'm writing some of it. Um, uh, that sounded egotistical, <laughs> but I got to I got to I got to pimp myself out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's full of great stuff. And uh, and it's like I said, definitely worth your time. Um, but with all that said, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot. I'm not